It is December, the 12th month of 2020. Amen. What a year it has been. And we are getting ready to celebrate the greatest, the greatest day, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God that Jesus came. Can I get one person who's excited about Jesus and that he came? Amen. I got one. I got two. I got three. Glory to God. Well, let's dive into the message for uh, today. We launch a new series. Um, the series is entitled The Light. I'm really excited about this message. Uh, I'm going to encourage you again to uh, rewatch this message, share it with somebody, um, because it is going to be a tremendous launch into uh, this particular season. And so um, the theme text is Psalms 119.105. I don't want you to turn there. Uh, you're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 to 19. So I want you to go to Genesis chapter number 1, verses 14 to 19. How many are convinced by now that Pastor Rowe loves Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3? Are you convinced by now? I challenge you, any subject, any topic that you want to dive deeper into, I challenge you, find it first in the first three chapters of Genesis, and then the rest of the scriptures will make sense to you. Because God is honoring his word in the first three chapters where God's cultivated design for mankind. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 to verse uh, 19, six verses, it begins and it says in these verses, and God is speaking again, how many are glad that God speaks? So these first three words confirm that God speaks and that God is still speaking. See, it's important to know that God not only spoke, it's important to know that God is still speaking. Mm -hmm, very important. And so now he's showing off his artistic and creative mind. And I think God was having a great time as he was just doing what only he can do. That's to create. Someone ought to praise God for that. That he's just doing what only he can do and just loving it. Just absolutely loving what he does. Every time he speaks, he knows that it's not going to return void. I just want to rest on that for a second. Because someone needs to know that every word that comes out of God's mouth that if it hits the soil that is ready for it, it will produce what he says it's supposed to produce. And so it begins, and he says, and God says, let there be lights. This is the English Standard Version. In the expand of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and that includes month when you break it down. And verse 15, and let them be lights in the expand of the heavens to give light upon the earth. Right from the beginning, we see that God's a giver. Right from the beginning. So this is the season where we talk about giving. And right from the beginning, Genesis, we see that it says to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to what? Rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. 
That's my favorite part right there. He just says stars. <laughs> and we see in the, in the galaxies and the, uh, uh, just, just the Milky Way and just the, the things that our natural eyes can't even behold yet. God just said stars. Some scientists believe the stars were the planets. And, but when you look even through the, teles, the, the Hubble telescope and you see galaxies after galaxies, it makes you just say, the stars, the stars, the stars. And he continues on and he says, um, um, and God sent him in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from darkness. This is verse 18. And God saw that it was good. And there was evil and there was morning the fourth day. Father, thank you for your word. You've been giving me this word, Lord. I've been chewing on it all week. I thank you that you are doing something unique, supernatural in our midst. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the body of Christ will not miss what you are doing. You are still speaking. And God, how we desperately need to hear your voice. As we have navigated these 12 months, God, we have tried plans and we applauded and we have figured things out. And yet we still are no further ahead. So we need your voice. That we will not leave 2020 without hearing, thus saith the Lord. For we are committed to see your glory and to see you manifest your presence in this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, so the first of the light series is called the light source. And what I just read to you was God revealing to us the light source, the light source. And so we have to look at Psalms 119.105 and Psalms 119.130 for a couple of reasons. It's the first of all, it's the longest chapter. Um, and also it speaks about the word. It is a long chapter, and so it speaks about a word. And what we can gather from Psalms 119 is that the word of God is very important. You can't live without the Word of God. I'm not saying the Word of God should just sit somewhere in your house or on your tablet. Thank God for technology. But the Word of God is to be read. You're supposed to read the Word of God. And so in Psalms 119.105, he says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your Word is a candle in some translation your word is is a lamp to my feet and it's, it's a light to my path so to get to genesis chapter 1 verse 14 to 19 we have to understand that the psalmist is writing and saying that your word your torah your your written word that you couldn't even say god when you were writing his word it was so reverent that, that, that when you would write the word Yahweh, you would wash your hands because you may have contaminated his name. And so I know that tradition has robbed us of truth, but there are certain traditions that we must maximize its effect. And one of those things was that the scholars, they honored the word of God so much that they treated it as if it was God himself. 
And so I'm not saying if you put your Bible on the ground, you're disrespecting God. What I am saying, if you don't open your Bible, you're not honoring God. And so it's important. Because here's the deal. Because, because so many things we base our belief on is based on feelings. Most people can't explain what they really believe. They can tell you what they feel. But they really can't explain what they believe. It just feels right. And you can't argue when someone's telling you their feelings. Now, don't confuse emotions with feelings. Emotions are real. You have a soul. Things hurt. You go through situations. You go through traumatic situations. Not caused on yourself, but perhaps somebody else or maybe decisions you've made. So I'm not saying emotions are not important. Please understand me. There needs to be emotion. Jesus wept. Come on. But what I am saying, I just never moved based on his feelings. As a matter of fact, when he was in the garden and he was saying, God, I don't want to go to the cross. And he said, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, don't let me operate on my feelings. Have your way, God, in my life. And I'm here to encourage you that if you want to really embrace all that God has for you, pray, God, move me away from my feelings to be a person of faith based on your word. And so what happens is with this text is we're going to get to to the light source is what we have to understand is, is, is that you can't argue with someone who's coming with feelings. Because what happens is this is that they take their experience and then that becomes their framework. It becomes their belief system. And so what we have to do is this. Someone say, what do I have to do? The reason why we gather and the reason why you open up the word that it's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The reason why you do that is because your experience must encounter the cross. Because what will happen is that your experience then may be from a faulty mind system. And so the cross then, the word of God needs to bring truth to you. And so what we tell people all the time is, I honor your experience that makes you human. But your encounter, that makes you divine. Come on. Come on, that's so good. That you operate on the supernatural. You're saying, Holy Spirit inside of me, let the word of God produce the light that I need to shine in a dark and complex and complicated relationship. Forget about the world right now. Just a relationship that's complicated. That's complicated. And so here we see, we see the importance of it because you see, uh, and I quote, so many things in life becomes old and tired, like an old T-shirt. I, I have a certain shirt that I like, and when Megan gets a hold of it because it's been, it's been through battles, amen, and, and she likes to get a hold of it and rip it, so I have to get rid of it. And I stay away. And I'm like, no, you can't touch this one because this one, this one has a lot of memories attached to it. And, and to some people, it might be just an old, tired T-shirt. But, but to me, it's, it's, it has value. The reason for that is because we like to move on to new things. That we like to move on to, to bigger and, and better things. We like to move on to new things. And so we forget about the old. And that's the way how we approach the gospel because we love the New Testament God, but we don't like the Old Testament warrior. Come on. <laughs> we don't like the Old Testament because, because in the Old Testament, we have to deal with this God that doesn't line up with our feelings. 
We have to line up with this God who, who is making statements uh, that, that, that doesn't fit the American mindset. And so what happens, we want to move on with a new thing. With a new thing. And so this is never how we should feel about the commandments of God. Because before you get to the New Testament where Jesus says, watch this down. When they ask him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he goes, and your neighbor as well. And so we think it's only two commandments. And Jesus will say, no. Go back to the Old Testament. It's all ten. Because the first one I told you, the first four, and then the other one is the next six, which is number of man. So he speaks to the first four that God should be worshipped and honored in every season. Come on. And then the six is the number of man that he's reflecting that God saw the world. Come on. And so he's saying now that you must embrace the Old Testament to extract the truth of the New Testament. So you can see that the light flowed from Genesis all the way to Malachi throughout the scriptures. And so Psalms 119 is, is, is basically saying that you need to walk through the scriptures. And so then in Psalms 119 verses 130, he says, The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. You see, when you understand these two verses, Psalms 119 and, and Psalms, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 105, and when you understand Psalms 119, verses uh, 130, you recognize now that your relationship with God is forever. That the day you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, the day your heart recognized and you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe in your mind it was, let's see if this thing's going to work out, but in God's mind, it was forever. Oh, that's a great place to give God praise and glory right there. Come on, this is not the relationship that you have with somebody that they're only fair weather friends. Come on, that when things get rough, they start to back out. This is not those friends that when you got stuff, they want to hang out with you. But when you got nothing, they leave you. Come on, God is not like that. Oh, I got to give God praise that God says that when I commit, I commit all the way. I commit all the way, God is saying. And so he says, I never get tired of you. Don't get tired of me. And he says, the way that you do that is by looking into the word of the Lord. And he's saying, because without God's word, you will be stuck in total darkness. And so God is saying, I don't want you to be in total darkness. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand the word of God. Because whatever you're facing right now, right now, in your mind, whatever that situation, your next thought, that could be scary for some people. <laughs> the very thought you have right now, God knows it. Exactly what you're thinking right now. Isn't that scary? That's, that, that's terrifying. But God is saying, the same way I know your thought right now is the same way I think about you. Come on, in Jeremiah. I know the very thoughts that I have towards you. Thought of peace. So if we're going to have a competition of thought, get rid of your thought and embrace my thought. Because my thought is of peace and it's love and it's joy. And you've got to realize this, that when God commits, he commits it's a forever relationship for a relationship 
And so in Genesis chapter 1, we, we begin out, we look at the light source. And so we must understand the character of God. And so the reason why I spent some time in my introduction was for you to understand that when God commits, he commits. It's a forever relationship. And so here we see him now in Genesis chapter number 1, uh, verses 14 to 19. And so this chapter is not focused necessarily on how of creation, which is science, which I love to debate. I would love to have a conversation, excuse me, not debate, a conversation, a discussion, because I've learned I don't debate what's already written. Come on. We can have discussions, but I'm not going to debate something that's already written in the word of God. That's how you get in trouble. Come on. That you start to debate what God says. It is final. It is written. And that's it. Look at Jesus. He didn't debate the devil. Oh, let me see. He's it is written, devil. Here's what the word of God states. I'm in a forever relationship with the Father, so I'm not going to debate what God has already established. So when I meet with people and we talk about the scriptures, I'm not intimidated by their questions. I welcome their questions. Because in their pondering, they'll be able to recognize the God in whom I serve. And so in Genesis chapter 1, you have to understand that Moses is writing, and he's running the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's not writing to a science class. He's not writing for someone who's an atheist. It's not in the mind. He's not writing to an agnostic. He's writing to a people, and he says, in the beginning, God establishes that truth. And so he's not worrying about the how of creation, but rather, more importantly, it's the why of creation. He's writing this so you can understand and read Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 that God is revealing himself to a people. He's revealing himself so you can be in a forever relationship. When he created Adam and Eve, it was forever. And so we call that eternal life. And so he's saying now that he wants to explain to them how things work. And also, because he brought a people out of bondage, he's teaching these people how you live free. Someone say free. I mentioned this before. This is so vital for you and I, by the grace of God that enters 2021, we better be better off than 2020. Come on. We better be more free in 2021 than we were in 2020. If you enter 2021 still in bondage, don't blame God. That was you not seeking God's face in the midst of all that's going on. God is still saying, ask the question why. And in asking the question why, you will see the creator. And so now we get to, to, to day four. And this is, this is interesting because the reason why day four is critical is because in day one, we read where God says, let there be light. And so all of a sudden now in day four, we're seeing God now saying, let there be lights in the expand of, of, of the heavens. And so people are wondering, what was the light then in the first verse or in the earlier part of Genesis? And is it the same light that exists now? And the question is this. No, that God is now saying that in the beginning, let there be light, excuse me. What he was saying was this, let there be revelation. He's talking about the sun. He's talking about the word. And now he's actually breaking it down and giving you the actual structure of what God did and what God is doing. And it's important that we understand this because these are explaining these objects that we call the sun, the moon, and the star. And so the main idea then of these six verses is to describe God's purpose for these lights. Ready? According to God's commandment. It's according to God's commandment. So there are four main takeaways that I want you to get from these six verses. The first one is this, verses 14 to 15, deals with the Dayton 
system. I didn't say the dating service where you hook up with somebody. I said the dating service, the months, the years, the days, or what the Bible calls the seasons, the signs, and the scheduled events. That's the first thing. The second thing, verses 16 and 17, deals with the natural and the artificial light. That's what verse 16 to 17 deals with. And then verses 18 to 19, it deals with light is good. It it deals with what God has commanded, was created, and God looks in, God says it is good. And then finally, where we need to be as a people, if we want to bring transformation to a city, we must get to this place so we can identify and communicate the authentic light. The authentic light. Those are the four main takeaways from this particular text that we're going to take a look at. Now, what I love is this, is that I, I believe I shared this before, but, but Megan and I were going to a retreat where I was speaking as a youth pastor. And we're driving in the night and we looked up into the sky and we just saw the beauty and the magnificent array of God's creation of the stars. It was beautiful. And so to really capture all that God is doing, we begin by utilizing this instrument called a telescope. That a telescope is a device used to form magnified images of distant objects. So in other words, things that are far away, that there's an instrument you can use to be able to see that object from a distance. So in other words, if God feels and sees like he's far away, what you have to do is to magnify the Lord. Come on. That you got to take the word of God and you got to put it up because what the word does, it pulls God into where you are. Oh, that is so good. That's why the number one tactic of the enemy is to keep you away from the telescope. It keep you away from the word of God because as you read the word of God, he comes closer. Come on. It's not that he was far. It's because your ability to see him was hampered. It was hindered. And so now with the word of God, you're able to see God for who he is. And you can say the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But in the natural, people use telescope and, and they try to look and they want to see. And so what happened is they are looking for a means of collecting and analyzing the radiation from celestial objects, even those in the far reaches of the universe. Man has always been trying to look out and try to figure what's going on. Man has always tried to do that. And so a telescope, then it is a focused light. It uses a piece of curved, clear glass called lenses. And so what they do is that they look through the light from the night sky. And the shape of the mirror or lens in a telescope, it concentrates the light. That light is what we see when we look into a telescope. Look at God. He's saying that everything that you do, even to see out there, he said it is a light that's coming back to you. And while we use a telescope, God wants us to use theology. Come on. And so in Psalms 8 verse 3, I love what the psalmist says. When I look to your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Oh, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, not what's happening now. Come on, we need to take a look at the heavens. We've got to take a look at what God is doing, the work of his fingers. 
He says, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. In other words, the psalmist is sitting, perhaps it was David when he was taking care of the sheep and nobody invited him to the party when Samuel came to anoint the next king. Nobody invited him, but guess what David was doing? David was looking to the heavens. Come on. He was looking to the heavens. He was saying, oh God, look at the work of your fingers. I may not know what's going on in my house, but God, I see what's going on in your house. The moon, the stars that you have set in place. And then in Psalms 19, he goes again and talks about the sun. And in verse 4, it says, their voice goes out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. He says, in them you have set a tent for the sun. Look at the imagery. Look at the word which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with what? Joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuits to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So what we have right here is we have, we have this understanding of a theology of God who on day four creates the lights. And we see the psalmist now is breaking it down. And he's saying from a place of theology, what we gather is that God is good. And that God has commanded these lights for what reason? Thank you for asking. Let's investigate the reason why. First and foremost, it is not for us to form or to abide or to believe or to live through a horoscope. You see, a horoscope is the sun and the moon and the stars are not to be worshipped as gods or guides. Hello? That what we're seeing here, he says that this is the practice of other nations, but should never be the practice of a believer. Come on. And what he's saying is this, is that even though it may seem like an innocent, fun thing, that's how the enemy gets us locked in. He always begins with something fun. If the devil would show up with a pitchfork and horns and tail, come on, and it's not Halloween, you would be like, oh gosh, no, get away, devil. He doesn't come that way. Come on. He comes so subtle and he makes a lot of fun. So you embrace and think, oh, it feels good, then it must be good. Come on. Come on. We got to get to a place. If we want to see transformation in our city, if we want to see transformation in this country, we must move past the feelings because your feelings can't be verified. They can't be verified. And so what we're seeing here was this was the practice of the other nations. That when the nation of Israel were in bondage, that they had a sun god. His name was Re or Pharaoh. And so they were then practicing this type of life. And so Moses is telling them, listen, you can't live like this. But I don't want to. It doesn't matter. You can't live like this. And so I teach people all the time. Here's how you can teach truth and people don't get offended. Here's how you do it. First of all, just didn't care, first of all, right? But he recognized something. Here's how you teach it. You must understand, if I focus on a behavior, you would be able to deceive me. Come on. And I miss the real issues going on in your life. So if you love somebody, it's not about the behavior. It's about the belief. Come on. What they're guarding is their belief, not the behavior. They're flaunting their behavior. Come on. 
And so what happens when you focus on the behavior, the enemy says, oh, I got them now. Come on, because you can't win when someone's saying this thing is fun. Are you out of your mind? You can't convince someone's having an experience that didn't have that experience. They're not going to say, don't judge me. It's my experience. It's personal. It's private. Come on, am I helping anybody? You know people like that, that even though you're bringing the truth and you can show it, it's verified. They're still not giving the light of day. Why? Because it's their experience. So I teach people all the time, don't just deal with the behavior, deal with the belief system. And so to deal with the belief system, you've got to actually have fellowship with them. And that's why Jesus, when Zacchaeus went up the tree to get a better view And what happened was when Jesus walked by, he says, hey, today I'm going to go at your house. And it was the religious people who said he eats with sinners. We take that now and think it's a license to go anywhere we want to. Come on. And we get ourselves in trouble going places and say, I'm a witness for the Lord. No, you're not. The enemy has got you tied up, bound up, and you're going to go in there and you're going to have a great fall where God has said, don't go there until you know the reason why Jesus went. Why? Because he understood that Zacchaeus' behavior caused him to go up a tree. Good God Almighty. Nobody else was going up the tree. Come on. But he went up the tree. Why? Because he was short, wanted to get a view. But Jesus, I noticed that behavior. Let's deal with your belief system. Then he goes to his house, doesn't care what people are saying. He deals with the belief system. At the end, Zacchaeus says, now, oh, my goodness. Everything, if I've cheated somebody, I'll give it back to you. Come on. And if I've done something that I don't even recognize, God, I want to restore that back. That is how the church becomes a light. Come on. That is how we're able to show people the power of God. I am not going to sit there and have the enemy manipulate me based on your feelings. I'm going to speak to your belief system. Why? Because there needs to be light. Let's be light. And so the church, we're the only light in the world. Do you understand that? We are the only light spiritually in this world. Everybody who don't know Jesus is in darkness. We are the only ones who knows the light. And so we got to tell people, come to the light. We don't hog the light. The light's supposed to shine. So unfortunately, your relationship with the Lord is not private. It's public. Come on. You got folks walking around in darkness and don't know where they're going. And you got the light and you're hiding that light. It's just a private belief. What, are you crazy? Come on. The sinners are not afraid to publicly display what they're doing. We got folks who are publicly displaying their sin for Satan. But here we know the Savior and it's private. The devil is a liar. You better let your light shine. Let your light shine. Come on. And so they believe this stuff. The people read the horoscope, they believe it. And so they would read it. And here's why. Because people are fascinated with this desire for wisdom about their future. And so people would say that, that what happens that when you were born, physically born, ready for this? Here's what it teaches. When you were born, that the stars and the planets were in a certain formation. And so that gives you a direction for where you're supposed to go. And so that's where they look for their guidance. And so they believe this stuff. And so when you realize when you talk to somebody, that's why it's important to say, why do you believe that? And they'll tell you, because I need direction for my life. Come on. Because they're in darkness. They don't know this. 
And so talk to them. They'll tell you, well, this happened. If God was so good, why did this happen? And so because God didn't work for me, I've got to check another source. Oh, God, come on. And so your responsibility, my responsibility, is to shine the light of revival. We're supposed to shine the light of love. We're supposed to shine the light of hope. We're supposed to shine the light so they can look and they can say, there is a God. There is a God. So why did this happen to me? And we can navigate them through. We have a generation who was born in 9-11. Come on. And graduated in 2020. Talk about complication. Talk about questions. Come on. Talk about God, what's happening. And so what we must understand is the reason why I don't believe in horoscopes. The reason why I don't follow the signs of the zodiac is this. is because God cares for me. Come on. God cares for me. Then when I look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 to 19, what I see here is a God who cares for me. Write that down. Come on. You got to recognize God cares for you. And he knows the pain you're going through. He knows the situation that you're experiencing. He knows if you had a family member who died of COVID, he recognized that God is not intimidated. Come on. By any virus, any sickness, any disease. You got to recognize and understand that God is for you. But look at all that's happening. But God cares for me. We must continue to let people know that God cares for us. Why? Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Come on, look at the star. God is a creator. We don't worship it. We see the creator behind the creation. That right there is for somebody. That when tragedy hits, you don't believe that God cares for you. God does care for you. So many times when... I think about my life, and I remember I was walking to Polaris. I dropped the girls off. Being a good husband, dropped them off at the front entrance and then go park the car. You know what I'm saying? Give myself some, some brownie points for that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and go, and, and, and I'm walking all of a sudden, and I'm thinking, God, if I would exit right now, this is just my own personal thought. I don't tell them because they're like, what are you talking about? I just have these conversations with the Lord. You know what I mean? Because I love him so much. He can call me anytime, and I'm, and I'm ready. Don't want to go, but I'm ready. Got a work to do, but I'm ready. And so I was talking to God, and, and he said to me, you really think that you could take care of them better than me, don't you? <laughs> I said, ouch. You really think that you could take care of your family better than me? And I said, God, if the truth be told, yeah. Because there are times when I didn't see you come through, Lord. And God is saying, I was always coming through. Because you got to write this down. God cares for you that alone if we came underneath that and just approach people god cares for you what do you mean you don't know what i've done god cares for you am i giving you license to sin are you out of your mind no god cares for you you must understand that there's a battle for you there's a battle raging for your soul the enemy wants to take your soul and he wants you to live forever separated from god and god has said i don't want that because when i commit i commit so he says, I care for you. Man's not even created yet, but God is getting things prepared. Oh my goodness, I got to take a praise break right there. It wasn't like he made man, and then he says, I care for you. God said, I cared for you, and I'm cultivating a place so you and I can fellowship together. Because when I commit, I commit. So in Psalms 8, verse 4, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? So how does God care for us? The first thing, first thing is this. A date system. 
And he gives us this to govern your life. And so he's saying, I don't want you to turn to a horoscope. I don't want you to look at the zodiac sign. I don't want you to look at creation. Because what you're looking for is who's going to govern your life. And you realize now my feelings can't govern my life. My emotions are a response to an experience. So I need to live by faith. Write that down. So you can't live by your feelings. You can't do that. And your emotions, come on, are aspect of an experience. But you've got to live by your spirit. And that requires faith in God who cares for you. So what happens is when I'm going through a struggle, because you will, and when I'm going through hard times, because you will, what I have to do is I have to say, where is this feeling coming from? And I have to then get my emotions to be healthy so that the experience can put its place in the realm of, in the realm of faith so that Romans 8 makes sense. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. So if it happens, it was for a purpose. Come on. Hallelujah. When I'm in faith and it still happens, it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. And so God is saying, here's how you govern your life. And so in, 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 in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 to 15, he's saying this. From the beginning, man has used God's provision of the sun, the moon, and the stars to mark the measure of time and direction. And direction. And so we have to understand how the Jewish people or the nation of Israel, how they saw the sun, the moon, and the star. And for them, it was a way, ready for this, the moon played an important role in Judaism because it was both a metaphor and also a measure of time. So what happens is this, that they would see time, they would see events as holy days, not holidays, holy days. That means that there were certain things they had to recognize because it was holy unto the Lord. We changed the Y and we put I and we called holiday. And so what happens is this now is that the version of calendar that we use and the version of calendar that the Jewish people use, what needs to recognize is this, that when you see Psalms 109 verse 19, it brings it together. Because Psalms 109, 19 now brings from the place of how a Jewish saw time and how we now as Gentiles who's engrafted into Christ through Abraham, right, and through Jesus, how we see things. So here's what we do now because some people get caught up on traditions of men and they make the word of God no effect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what he's saying is, how do we bring it together? So Psalms 109, 19 says it this way. You made the moon to mark the months, or what we call the appointed time. And the sun set according to a regular schedule. And what he's saying is this, ready? That you can't do this event, or you can't do this gathering, until the moon reaches a certain place, because that's how you measure time. So for the nation of Israel, what they were looking at was this. They were in bondage for so long, all they knew was hard work. They didn't do any of the festivals. They didn't do any of those things. Because that didn't happen until Exodus, when God told Moses, here are the feasts. So they were in bondage for 400 years, and they finally got free. And now they're saying, what are we supposed to do with our time? And so because there was a delay in Moses getting instructions, what to do with their time? Come on, they worshiped. And creating an idol. It's important that you know what you're doing with the time that you have. That who is governing the time that you have. And we call it this way. I'm in a new season. 
I'm seeking direction. And what God is saying is, how are you measuring your time? What are the seasons in your life that you're recognizing to be able to know that that's an appointed time? An assignment has the word sign in it. Come on. And so you know that this is an appointment or an assignment because you know that things are lining up. Ready? Here's what lines up. So when you're looking at lining up and recognizing the light source, which is called a day system, here's how you know, and this is how I live my life. You live your life first and foremost by a clock, a.m. and p.m. So we have 24 hours. You ready for this? Everybody has the same amount of time. Ooh, that is so good right there. Come on. I'm saying you've got a praise break for that because it doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter where you were born on this side or that side of the track. We all have 24 hours. And so the first thing you start with is this. And so it gives light upon the earth. And so in other words, that's why Jesus says you must do the work while it's day. Why? Because night comes, no man can work. Why? Because there was no electricity back then. You had to do your work in the daytime where you were exposed. And so because of man and our ability, and I'll get to when I talk about artificial life, to be able to create stuff, we prolong labor. And so we work all these hours, and God is saying, some of those things I didn't assign for you to do. <laughs> oh, that's so good right there. Some of the, I didn't, I didn't sign that for you. And so what happens is that, is that your light source now is not me. You're going to artificial light, come on, which is man-made to continue on your labor. <sighs> And God is saying, that's why he gave the Sabbath, because they never understood the Sabbath when they were in Egypt. They worked 24-7 all the time, and God cares for them. What God is saying, I gave you a time of rest. I was praying with the men that I pray with every Saturday, and this profound statement came out of one of their mouth. They said this. They said, God, um, um, give us not just sleep, but give us rest. I said, what you talking about, Wes? I said, it's not just about sleep, it's about rest. It's about recognizing that the safest place to be is in the will of God for your life. That when you know this is God's will for your life, you are safe in there. And you know exactly how to use your time. The next thing now is the calendar. This is the months and the years. And so when we look at the calendar, it's important that, okay, this is the time, but then this is also the month and the year for it to take place. And then finally, the third thing is to create event. So in other words, now, when you recognize that you're on assignment and you recognize now that this is the time for that assignment, what you do now is not a scheduled event. Come on. It's a create event that you can't be talked out of. It's a commitment that you made in covenant. Oh, let me break that down. It's a commitment in covenant. And so if you break it down, you can even look at this thing when it comes to marriage. That there becomes a time when you recognize that this is when we're supposed to get married. And then you have it on the calendar, right? And it's now a covenant created event. Why? Because it's forever. So that's how you recognize that God is saying, I give you the light. He gives you the light. And so write this down. Why does God do it that way? Ready for this? Not only does God care for us, write this down. God loves us. He moves from just caring for us now to where now he moves into this place where God loves us. And so the sun and the moon and the stars were created on day four. Expansion of the sky by the creator. Ready? Out of a love for us. 
Prove it, preacher. I will. Thank you for asking. Psalms 136, verse 7 to 8 lets us know the why behind the reason why he gave us the lights. And here's what he says in Psalms 136, verse 7 to 8. To him who made great lights. Who is that? Just in case, who's that? That's God. So to him who made great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, God is saying that all you need to accomplish, you can accomplish in the day because you are children of the day and not children of the night. Oh. You see, night shift was created by man. Not by God. Because he recognized that when he is your source, you recognize he cares for me and he loves me. So therefore, I prosper in the things I do because I'm on assignment from God. I'm helping somebody right now. Come on. And that's why when you start a business, you're working in your labor. You are working in your assignment. And here's the deal. When you know that you're in your assignment, sleep becomes an interruption. Come on. When you know you're in your assignment, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me to pastor this church. And that's why I wake up excited. Come on. I go to bed excited. Come on. I am excited about what God is doing. And here's the deal. When nobody else is excited, I'm still excited. Come on. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because you're so good to me because I know what it's like to chase my tail. I know what it's like to go from here to there trying to find my purpose. But when God says there is life here, I said, oh God, I'm going to labor in what you have for me. So many people are exhausted because they're laboring in things that God didn't call them to do. And he's saying, listen, God cares for you. How am I going to pay this rent? God cares for you. How am I going to take it? God cares for you. What about my kids? God cares for you. How am I going to do this? God cares for you. Work while it's day. And that's why he calls you your children of the day. Even in the rapture in the book of Thessalonians when he's coming back, he's saying that you are children of the day. Don't let it pass you by as if you're part of the night. A thief comes at night, but the person comes in the daytime. God loves me. Someone said that God loves me. So now we move. To a natural artificial light. And so when we take a look at this, what we're seeing is, is the sun. The sun is the major source of light for the earth. The sun is a massive ball of fire at the center of which nuclear fusion produces massive energy. This energy comes out as heat and light. Say it with me. Heat and light. Come on. Judgment and justice. Ooh, come on. It comes out as heat. Consume things that you don't need. Come on. And comes as light to show you that God loves you. God cares for you. You need both. And so we see that, that the sun now, the sun is shining. And so it's a major source of light for the earth that God gave us. And the star. I read this. Every other star. Excuse me. Stars produce light as well. But only a small or no amount of it reaches the earth because of the huge distance. And the moon, this is so cool. The moon provides light as well, but it cannot produce light on its own. So when you read your Bible, we're going to jump to that. Jesus is considered the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. Come on. And he's also considered the star, but not the moon. 
Because you and all, come on somebody, we don't produce light on our own. The sun has to shine on us and we reflect to the earth what the sun is doing in us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's saying that the moon provides light as well, but it cannot produce light on its own. That's why I've got to hit the carpet and worship God because I want the light of the S-U-N, come on, to shine on me so it can reflect on the earth. The people can see the goodness of God. That is so cool. Psalms 109 says this, verse 23 and verse 24, people then go out to do their work and their labor until even. How many living things you have made, O Lord. You have exhibited great skill in making all of them. The earth is full of the living things you have made. And so now we move into our last part, and this is it. Light is good. Someone say, light is good. Those watching online, write that down. Light is good. You got to keep telling yourself that light is good. Because when he starts to shine his light on you, he's going to expose so you can have an encounter. And that's why I said earlier, you take your experience and you bring it to the cross. Because when you bring it to the cross, he shines his light on it. Come on, somebody. And he shows you what the enemy is either trying to do to you or what God wants to do for you. And so light is good. Someone said light is good. Oh, my goodness. He says this. It was evening and it was morning the fourth day. And so what happens is this. What happens if there's the absence of natural light? What happens when you walk away from God? What happens when you're not shining your light? We got to think about that. When you're not walking in your purpose, you're not just affecting yourself. You're affecting everybody else that's around you that God has assigned to you to influence. I would have never received some of the message I'm receiving if it wasn't for Kelly and for Laguel, them sharing their light. Come on, you got to share your light so somebody else can hear your story and give God the glory. There's no such thing as private Christian. Come on. There's no such thing that people should know that you're a follower of Christ. I'm not saying being brass, be rude, and take the Bible and hit over their heads. Come on. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about your character and the way you talk to people. Come on, the way you love for people and the way you stand for truth. And it says, why aren't you bowing? Come on, I'm not bowing because I've got a Savior and there's no other name under heaven whereby which men can be saved. I will not bow to any other name but the name of Jesus. We need to shine our light. Where are, let me rephrase and put it this way. People ask, I heard this preach, and I'm going to take it. Someone says, where is the God of Daniel? Come on. And where's the God of Elijah? Where's the God of Peter? Where's the God of Paul? People ask, where is the God of Elisha? Where? And God is saying, where are my Daniels? Where are my Pauls? Where are my Peters? Where are my people who are committed to forever relationship? Light is good, so shine your light, TGP, and let this city know that God is good. Because the absence of natural light... Without absorbing enough light, we become unhealthy. You think that's what's happening to the church? 
Uh, the church is unhealthy because we have stopped the light from shining because God was exposing some things and we didn't want those things to be exposed. And what God was saying, I wasn't exposing it to condemn you. I was exposing it to reveal the devil that's trying to get at you. And the reason I'm shining my light is because light brings heat. Come on. And the devil can't stay in the kitchen where there is heat. He's got to go. The enemy don't know. He don't like the heat. That's why on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came like fire. I wish we had a Pentecost moment again because the same God in the upper room wants to come in your room. He wants to come into this church. Without light, one becomes unhealthy. Oh my God of mercy. says, my light is good. The absence of natural light without absorbing enough light. In other words, if you haven't read your Bible, come on, in a month, you're unhealthy. Religious, but unhealthy. Come on. Without light, there is disease. It's natural. Without light, we cannot survive. Without light, we cannot survive. So here's what we do then. In man's creativity, man is an amazing, amazing creation of God. That our ability to be innovative is amazing. But it's also our downfall. Because in the Tower of Babel, he, he told them, the Tower of Babel, he said, listen, you guys need to expand. And they said, hey, let us build a tower that reaches the heavens. And the Bible says this. Come, Daddy, you can come now. And, and so the Bible says this, with the praise team. The Bible says this, that God looked and he saw. Watch this now. Here's a principle. Someone say it's a principle. Say it's a principle. Watch this now. He said this. Oh, good God Almighty. He said this to a rebellious people. He says this, the people are of one language. And whatever they set their mind to do, it'll be accomplished. A negative work under a biblical principle. Come on. A negative work with a biblical principle. And I've told you before, the reason why any behavior that wants to go public, they call it community. Because once you call it community, you give life to it. You take a behavior, oh, good God Almighty. And now you take a biblical principle of community, began in the garden where God said, let's make man our likeness or image. And so there was community right there. It was God and Adam and Eve because everybody was inside of them. And so there was this communion. Come on, Thursday, right? It was this communion they had. It was a forever relationship. And God was faithful to it. And so every time they stayed in community there was a relationship taking place and so the enemy comes in now and he says no you want to break that community and so now he lies and deceives them and so all of a sudden now their behavior became one that wasn't in light of what God had for them so what we must recognize is this mankind has built gods that we're given names to that has come into the church and has taken out our light. And so we see all sorts of things happen in the church. And so because of that now, I talked about what God what cares for me. I talked about God loves me. But here it became now. Here, here it was now that the enemy came in and the light went out and man started to be innovative and make other light. 
And so God looks and he says this. I'm going to give you the artificial light. Look how good God is. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the artificial light. Because when I give, I give my whole. And so because of that, when Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't they die right away? Come on. They didn't die right away. Spiritually, they were disconnected from God. But they didn't die right away. And the reason why they did that was this. Because God, before they sinned, this is critical now. Get this. If anything else, you don't get, get this about the light source. That before Adam and Eve sinned and stepped into artificial light... What happened was God cared for them and God loved them. But all of a sudden now, they disobeyed God, broke fellowship with God, and God now implemented something that we ought to give God praise for. And this is why we have to look at this message and we have to see as the weeks come. And while we look at what we need now is this. We've been living with, art, we, we live with artificial light for so long that what God did was this. Write this down. God's mercy keeps me. What's God's mercy? Here's the definition of God's mercy. Natural, excuse me, natural light sustains me and artificial light supports me. Good God. So in other words, the reason why we can work longer hours, come on, is the mercy of God. The reason why we can do that is because when the natural light, the sun, it goes down, what happens is we have electricity. Come on. Because of man's creativity, we have electricity. So we just turn the light on and we continue to work. And what God is saying, that doesn't sustain life, that just supports life. But God is saying what you need is mercy. What you need is mercy. You need the God of mercy because the God of mercy says to everybody, including your enemy, that I will sustain you. I've got a redemptive plan. Come on. And so the same God who created the lights in the expansion, I've got a plan for you that if I'm faithful, that the sun will rise every single day faithfully. How much more the God who created the sun will I be faithful to you? God cares for you. Yes. God loves you, but most importantly, God's mercy keeps you. And that's the reason why we look at this season and we wrap up, we end with this. What we need is the authentic light. People are coming into the house of the Lord and they're still seeing artificial light. No, I don't want that. And so we do this program, we do that program, we're just doing artificial light. But how do you know, come on, that in 2020 some churches closed their doors. Lights turned off. For good, we'll never, ever, ever, will they meet again. Because one year, a virus, a racial protest, come on, and a presidential election that was off the chart, shut down the church. No, it shut down the artificial light is what it did. And God is saying those lights are confusing the authentic light. So those who are true believers you will shine. You will shine. You will shine. How come you're still shining? God's mercy. How come you haven't lost your mind? God's mercy. How come you're still faithful? God's mercy. Oh God. God's mercy. That's why we got to tell the world it's the mercy of God. 
the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. Yesterday I went to, to the funeral of Abigail's grandfather who, who had passed away. And I walked into the room and, and there was just people honored this amazing man that I never met, but from what I heard, I was like, what a mighty man of God. And in tears running down her face and her eyes, she got to the pulpit and she shared from her heart. Why? Because of God's mercy. That sustained it through the situation. That sustained it through that. I'm here to tell you that when we lose someone we love, come on, we got to make our life shine even brighter and declare, God, your mercy endures forever. That you care, you love me, God. And when I don't understand all that's taking place, I look to the heavens, come on, and I see the sun, the moon, and the star. And I say, God, if those light sources can shine, how much more are you faithful to me, the one who created it? And what I saw wasn't artificial light. I saw an authentic light. And I want us to pray today that we move from being artificial light. Come on. That we become an authentic light that never goes out. That we don't have to be switched on and switched off. No, baby. That our light shines all the time. And when your light is shining, Julie, when your light is shining, blame, when your light is shining, Karen, you're saying, God cares for me. Look at the light. God loves me. Look at the light. And ultimately, God's mercy on my life. So be still. So be still. So open up my heart and trust. Open up my eyes to see that he who placed the sun, the moon, the stars is here with me. 